We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Mike. And last night, the Lakers beat the Suns for the third time this season in another rousing success for the in-season tournament. Lakers jump out to a commanding lead early on on the strength of 10 forced turnovers in the first quarter for Phoenix and have a solid lead at halftime, which gets erased very quickly (laughs) at the beginning of the third quarter as the discrepancy in jump shooting between the teams is very apparent early on. But LeBron James, once again, for the third time against Phoenix, takes over down the stretch. Austin hits a huge three from the right wing to put the Lakers up four. Lakers hold on for a 106-103 victory, meaning the Lakers are moving on to Las Vegas for the in-season tournament. And there is no one I'm happier for than our resident in-season tournament aficionado slash propagandist, Mike Trudell. Mike, you were there. (laughs) Uh, It was a fun night from home. I bet it was really fun in the arena, man. What's your take on last night's game? Yeah, guilty on all charges in that account. (laughs) I've I've really been enjoying this and uh, the in-season tournament, and I'm excited to go and actually be there for the semifinals, which I think the league is going to treat basically like the NBA finals. Uh, I I got to know a lot of people from the league office my first two years at the Lakers because they went to the finals, of course, both years. And the NBA sends its you know couple of plane loads full of the people that set everything up, and so a lot of those folks were at the game last night, and everybody will be going on to Las Vegas. Um, that's neither here nor there, though. I. There's so many things, Pete, from this game, but, you know, thinking about the text thread and all of the this is the way in caps lock um, <laughs> from you. But mixed with that, some lamenting, you know, from you about the jump shooting. Ah, and, and, yes. it's, it, and it's kind of like those things go hand in hand in some ways. Right. Of the mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. with the way with this team is around LeBron and AD and like the big athletes and with a skill guard, which you point out with either uh, Austin or D'Lo. And in this case, in the second half, it had to be Austin, you know, because D'Lo was part of the issue maybe uh, to start that third quarter. But like when you can get that many attacks on the rim and offensive rebounds and still good looks from three, even if they're not going in, like the Lakers took five more threes than the Suns, Mm -hmm. you know, so they were generating these looks and, and they, the ones that weren't going in, I'm 
almost always going to be comfortable with that. Um, just be in, this is part of my theory with the whole, if you're playing that hard on defense, sometimes you don't have the legs. Um, yep. that's a little bit of it. Yep. Um, and the other part of it is they're playing some guys that just aren't good shooters because they're, they're indexing towards that other side of things. Mm-hmm. And then when they needed it though, the guys that needed to hit jump shots, Austin Reeves hit the biggest one and LeBron James hit a huge pull up to, um, and another three in that fourth quarter. LeBron, we could do a whole pod just on LeBron and how ridiculous he was. But I'm Pete. The thing I want to kick to you to to start. Did you happen to catch? You were watching the Spectrum broadcast or the TNT? Yes, I was. Always watching. Okay, so yep. So did you catch? Um, you catch the Vanderbilt interview that I did to start the second half. Mm -hmm. And so, in short, he kind of he kind of gave the this is the way. Um, thing right. I was yep. I was asking him about the offensive rebounds, and he basically was like, "Yeah, the, this was the plan, like with how we wanted to play." And he was focusing more on the defensive side, but he's like switching and you know and being able to just use our length and athleticism. And 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 boy, did we see that you know against the Phoenix team with a couple of deep threats. So I wanted to start there with you. How did they do that? What looked different uh, with Vanderbilt back, with Rui healthy, with Cam Reddish back, and and why was that so effective against Phoenix? We are able to switch more, uh, of which Vando alluded to this, and then AD has talked about this as a, a bit as well. And so when you are switching, it's best to do that with size um, because smaller guys will start to get targeted. Now, if you don't have the appropriate foot speed, right, This that's the other end of the equation. Then you got kind of slow-footed guys trying to stay with Devin Booker on the perimeter. Good luck with that, right? And so that that nexus between foot speed and size, there's nobody that represents that better on the team that I think than Vando. Um, and so his presence out there, even in just 14 minutes, it just has this like chain reaction effect on the rest of the team where pretty much for 48 minutes, you can have that on the court, um, for a lot of it. And so just, yeah, the ability to switch a little bit more, um, you know, had some traps with high hands and all of that. It's really this whole style of play that facilitates transition play. There is going to be a point, Mike, where the half court offense has to be solved a little bit. Right. I We've got more steps to go on that end. But really viewing the team through a defensive lens, I think, is the right way to look at it. And your your interview with Vando was an example of that is like, yeah, and LeBron always alludes to the amount of length that that we have out there on the court. So just getting to see the team, I think, as it was intended to be deployed is is really exciting. Well, let me make one more point on that. And then I want you to take us in a, a different direction from like whatever your top takeaway was. But Anthony Davis and, you know, so he... Davis missed a bunch of shots that he usually hits uh, inside, just kind of little bunnies and in those little kind of half hooks that he usually buries. And he did not look good at all on his just open face up jump shots, which is which is a part of this half court thing. So he ends up only 10 for 26. You know, he's been shooting 55, 60 ish percent for the last several weeks. And on the season, he's well above 50. Uh, But. The defense, everything that you were just saying about defense, he is the key to all of that. Of and course. like in the possession that I think of the most, Pete, is that so after LeBron scores that nifty up and under layup through Phoenix traffic around Nurkic to put him up five for the right mm-hmm. around two minutes left, something like that. They come down and they get a 24 second violation uh, in, in a huge. And so Anthony Davis gets switched out onto Devin Booker, who can't go anywhere. On him, mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of Tyrese Halliburton last year at Indiana um, in so many different occasions. But the fact that you can you can reliably trust him to stick with anybody in the NBA on the perimeter, and then at the end of the possession, he rotates back over to Nurkic to make sure that he can't get something off in the paint. Like that to me is just 
in the postgame show then on TNT, it's like, well, Anthony Davis only scored blank points in the second half. And it's <laughs> it's like, God, guys, we've seen this so many times. Like, he still scored 27 um, and had 15 rebounds and had two blocks. And, and yes, like, he could have been more efficient on offense. But are you watching what he's doing on defense? Do you know how hard that is? Have you ever played? Right. It's not yeah. that he's just sticking with Devin Booker, Mike. He's like erasing him from the play, right? And like yeah, how many teams have the option him. to be like, okay, Devin Booker can't score really on this play. Like that's really, really difficult to do. And and it's like, this is again where I get back to the point of, of comparing him to a Jokic or an Embiid who are not, I promise you, watch, are not doing that on defense uh, on a possession by possession basis. Embiid can cover some ground and he'll protect the rim, but like, the the amount of ground that AD is covering fast yeah. and yeah. how much energy that takes I just I will I will keep preaching this uh, and I thought LeBron gave a great soundbite on this about AD's defense. I mean AD's our anchor when it comes to to our defense and he can do everything on the floor. Um, it's, uh, don't think we have another one in our league that can do it um, that can guard one through five and we know that. He can get a stop. I mean, he's been doing it for so long, and as I mean, I think it gets taken for granted um, by our league um, when we talk about like defensive player of the years and guys that defend at a high level. Because um, it's more than just blocking shots. Um, it's being able to switch out and disrupt offenses. It's been able to switch out on perimeter uh, marquee guys. The ability to shut down, uh, you know. Everything and disrupt everything, and uh, AD does that. He's our anchor, so um, we got the utmost confidence whenever we have an opportunity to get to that switching lineup. And AD is on an island, um, on a guard um, that we feel like he's going to win that matchup. So that I just I had to say that again because whenever we talk about the Lakers and siphoning defense and like holding this Phoenix team, um, who has a lot of firepower, even with Bradley Beal out, to 103 points, and that's when they shot 50. percent uh, and made and they were on fire from three in the second half mm-hmm. too, like super efficient. And they got to the free throw line and and the yet like the swarming defense, they, they caused the 22 turnovers and the offensive rebounds, a whole nother thing. So that's I've said my piece now um, about the defense and, and the energy and, and how that kind of played throughout the building was big. But mm-hmm. Pete, you're you're watching like what's what's a top takeaway for you? Well, I'm glad you brought up the offensive rebounding. Since when do we do that? Since when do we beat the crap out of teams on the offensive boards? Right. And the final result yeah. of the turnover, all the turnovers and the offensive boards, we took 102 shots. They took 75 very difficult to win a game when you take 27 fewer shots than your it's, opponent you does. never see that difference it's a wild difference in shot attempts yeah and and so that game i thought was actually very indicative of the strengths and weaknesses of the suns and lakers against each other how they can be kind of vulnerable to each other but again for the third straight game mike i saw a like they have no answers for lebron at the end of a game. And so you and I like to debate the Suns and how how good they are or are not. And that's one mm. thing that in the course of a seven game series, I think that on defense, we have some like you're never going to stop Booker. You're never going to stop Kevin Durant, but you can win some battles as we saw uh, AD win a few and just the team in general. I think it's going to be much harder for Phoenix to do that against LeBron and AD to a lesser extent. And AD's been missing some bunnies around the rim, as you alluded to as well. We'll talk more about that, but I do love the 26 field goal attempts. I think that on this particular team, that's kind of a battering ram that 
He is the guy that represents our greatest downhill threat with LeBron very close to him as well. And so it's not not how I would like it, Mike. I would love for him to be knocking down that mid-range jumper, and I think that that's going to be very important, or popping out to the three-point line. But if he's going to be the battering ram and you have athletes behind it as kind of the second wave attacks of that, I, I think that really opens things up. And then there are going to be nights where you hit the threes that open up off of that. And so just awesome to see us win a big physical game, you know? Well, the short answer to the offensive rebounding difference uh, is Jared Vanderbilt and having somebody that, that his whole thing on that side of the court is to kind of just be around and then crash like hell. Once the ball goes up from the baseline, typically, because he's typically now he's spaced into the corner. And when he crashes, he is just hyper quick and athletic. And you can try to put a body on him all you want. He'll slip around you. He might go over the top of you. He might just kind of get a deflection on the ball. He might tap it out. And it that it's got this uh, like Pete, basketball is such a crescendo sport or a, a um like once you see one wave coming and then the next wave co- yep. is enabled behind it. And I think that it activated LeBron and AD in a way, you know, to, and, and guys are almost like, oh, that's right. <laughs> we could just go yeah. do that, yeah. you know, and, and Phoenix also is a team that that can hurt you in transition. And they did, by the way, they did get, I think 25 fast break points. Um, but they're mm-hmm. not, you don't think of them quite in the same way as, as like a Kings team or something where that pace is, um, is, is a major point of emphasis and is going to hurt you every time. But uh, la- last thoughts to wrap this up and then you can uh, lead us into break. And, and you're right. We do talk about Phoenix a lot. If, if you, so I had my, the difference between like regular season rankings and playoff rankings. Right. And I thought that if healthy, I thought they could have the most regular season wins. I think that they're when you turn when talking about the best just teams that could actually beat you in a series, um, I would still have Denver, the fully healthy, realized model of them, which I don't think anybody would argue with. And then I do think the Lakers would beat the Suns in, in a series because of that fatal flaw that you highlighted. Like when they got rid of Aiden and they bring in Nurkic slash uh, Eubanks, that's just it's not they don't have a real deterrent. Um, so as much as they can score and they will, you know, that to me is a difference in a series. So I would have them under the Lakers there. But I I do think that they would beat basically anybody else uh, in the West. You know, the Wolves, are, though, are are kind of increasing. They're another team that can mm-hmm. kind of hammer the Suns mm-hmm. a little bit. But I think that Beal um, unlocks a lot. And we just haven't seen them all together. Because yeah. imagine if on that weak side, instead of Eric Gordon, who can make threes, it's Beal who can just dribble drive into the middle um, or get mm-hmm. out of the way of the rim. It, it just, they become like, especially in person, they are a very um, scary type of a team, you know, and I think to to uh, to be on the other side of um, for opponents when they're trying to drop a game plan. But we can put them aside for now. The Lakers have beat them three times. Yep. Um, and, you know, and, and that's th- this one, I think, was the most quality because Booker um, is simply a much better player than Beal. And they had a lot of they threw a lot of stuff at Booker, they wanted to win that game. especially yeah. in that first half. Yeah. yeah, that had a great energy to it. Looking forward to uh, to Vegas. Let's take, take a break here. Keep talking about the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Mike, with uh, with Rui available and playing, this is the greatest number of rotation players the Lakers have had available. And as we've been talking, Darvin had some some dilemmas to uh, to cycle through. Christian Wood did not play. Jackson Hayes was the direct backup for AD, and that's it in terms of those minutes. I really liked the rotation and lineups last night. Um, there are a couple of things. The starting group is the one group that isn't quite there, and it's an important one because that's the group that plays the most. Yeah. The, amount the starting of minutes. group's like the worst is like the worst group. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they play, yeah. <laughs> but everywhere else, right? Uh Darius has uh, properly pointed out that recently AD's been playing the entire first quarter, which was a thing he did back in 2020 as well. And that's really helped bolster kind of the instead of the end of the first quarter being a nightmare for the Lakers where we get our butts kicked, like that was a group that you really liked mike and so what was the group to close that first quarter and why did you like them oh that yeah i mean that this is just playing right into all the things that i like right but it so it was it was austin uh, it's vanderbilt lebron Rui, and ad and and so like we've seen a lot of that group but just vando in in a lot it would be like russell you know would be in that group sometimes or um it could be you know, in like early in the season, that could be like a Gabe Vincent, you know, that mm-hmm. would be on in, in that setting. But basically, because Vanderbilt can guard guards uh, so well, mm-hmm. and and because Rui can shoot, it you can you can kind of get through it um, with even though it's not necessarily the neatest like on paper lineup that you would think if you're trying to put guys into positions. And I get like this is where you mentioned Pete in terms of foot speed, and in certain lineups, there are some there are some coaches I think that worry that okay, if you've got LeBron and Rui and they get switched and they've got to stay yeah. with the guard, you know. So I get all that, but I just think that that group that you get so much else from that group, and they were trapping the hell out of Booker. Um, they like that was the there was the possession where AD and I think Vanderbilt doubled him, and he just kind of stepped yeah. back over half court. Um, half court yeah, yeah, later on. And and by the way, you could put Reddish into that group uh, in, in as well. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's the one that I think we've seen a little bit more in even in like the Vando spot. But it's just the the ability of that group to the motor of that group and the energy of that group uh, around LeBron and AD. When LeBron and AD don't feel like they have to be the energy, I think they actually get more energized um, yeah. as opposed to when they're out there with just, say, shooting and spacing. And, and oh, yeah, the, the Lakers, that you, you don't want to have the ball go into the corner because they got a shooter there. Yes, but then they get in the other end and LeBron and AD have kind of like the man, like we've been, we've been playing in a lot of these games and I like, gotta I got to make all these rotations. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've just, I've seen it so many times in person yeah. now that I've just been kind of fully 
radicalized to the to over indexing towards the athletes, even at the expense of some shooting. And, you know, that's that game was was like a pretty good example of, of why. Uh, and I'm not arguing that it's completely sustainable. I, I do think that there are there are times when you can't do that and you have to you just have to have a little bit more offense in that sense out there. But um, I love the way that that group competed. And I what I wanted to kick back to you, though, we talked before this game, Pete. I, hey, what is Darvin M going to actually do? Uh, I, I think the most the thing that we thought was most likely is Christian Wood probably gets trimmed from, from the rotation. And that did happen. And Jackson Hayes, we weren't sure if he was going to play either. He ends up getting two shifts to to start the second in the fourth quarter of about one was five minutes, one was four minutes, and you know he he was fine. Like he same thing, big athlete Dope on things, the floor, right? Dope, yep. Yeah, got a steal, a couple of rebounds. Like he he uh, he almost blocked a shot. They they thought about challenging. LeBron wanted it to be challenged. Oh, they told right? me that was that a weak call. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looked like kind of a weak call. It looked like he got the ball first, and and then Grayson Allen kind of like stuck out his left arm, right? right. Yeah, he initiated kind contact. Of, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, but so that and that, like, I liked how that played out though, because you're sort of, you know, you're still engaging Hayes in that way, and maybe it's Wood on a different night. Which I just I always appreciate when head coaches are trying to keep the guys that at least deserve some minutes uh, and find a way to get them in the game without expending to without taking away too many minutes from other players. But the guy that got trimmed a little more than I would have liked was was Christy, um, who played about, let's see, seven minutes and 41 seconds. So, like, how do you get Max or eventually, you know, Gabe Vincent some minutes while still playing all of your big guys? And if so, which ones do you limit more? Because Prince got limited a little bit. He was at 26 minutes. He's been mostly around 30. D'Lo certainly got limited at 24, but he basically just limited all of his minutes to Austin. And they, right, like they combined played, I think, 40 eight or yeah let's see they played 52 minutes combined so they were only only on the floor together for four minutes uh basically and it's just there's a lot there and i'm curious what you thought were the optimized groups and maybe where you would have liked to seen a little more of some guy or a little bit less of somebody else yeah it's funny in last night's game i didn't think max played particularly well in the eight minutes that he got um that said, I didn't think Prince played particularly well, and he was, I think, the team worst minus thirteen uh, in those yeah, minutes minus that, 12, that he yeah. had mm-hmm, minus twelve. Thank you um, in in those minutes. And so, to me, it's about and we're we're getting there. I'm so happy, Mike. I'm so excited about the direction the team's going in, and and just kind of like coalescing around this bigger type of style. And to me, it's guys like Hayes. In that if you consider them in a vacuum, right, compare them to another – Christian Wood is a great example of this, right? Like they do different things. They play the same spot, but they kind of have different games. But Hayes, his abilities athletically stack on top of what we were talking about earlier. So it's like this team of athletes where it's like, oh, I just got past Cam Reddish and now I have Jackson Hayes waiting for me, right, on a trap or something like that. And that's the thing too is that like with, with Hayes – I was looking up like league leaders and stats and whatnot, and they have all these, you know, per 36 for this. Jackson Hayes is actually leading the league per 36 of contested threes per game. Isn't that interesting that he's contesting more threes at a higher rate than anybody else in the NBA? Uh, and that's a great usage of him because he's this, you know, mobile ap- athlete that if you force that miss and you collect the rebound, you can get out in transition. You got a great rim runner and lob threat on that there. Um, and so, 
Max, when you shift that whole idea down to the perimeter, Max is a better athlete than Prince is. And so that to me is the place to take minutes from. That said, Max is still learning some things in like high intensity type of games where Prince like at least knows what knows his job and just has some like veteran know-how in ways where like I get it. That said, like we need, I think, better performances from Prince or from that spot. And that's the place where I'd naturally gravitate to. And I think Gabe Vincent is going to be more the guy, Mike, that kind of makes that a a difficult conversation because he can does have that veteran know how with a little bit more production, I think. That's totally sensible. Yeah, because I think you're looking at the closing lineup and you're thinking, okay, well, Vanderbilt, man, he's been really helpful tonight. But the Suns are going to so over-index on just leaving him in the corner. Mm-hmm. And is that the shot that you want You know, the ball sort of finding right. because it's open in the way that it found Cam Reddish in the game on November 10th yep. um, at Phoenix? And and he just came back, you know, so, so maybe not. And then, well, Hachimura, he's got the mask. Like, he just came back. Uh, it, they seem to be still thinking about him being out in the perimeter on Booker or something or getting switched side to side, which, again, I, I'm probably more fine with than most. But... Gabe Vincent, uh, and then oh sorry, and then Max, just with the still learning, you know, twenty years old, some of the inexperience. Even though I, I would like to continue to kind of push him in those ways, yep. Um, yep. That that so between the two of them, but Prince ended up being fine, like down the stretch. He didn't. I don't think he took a shot. He's he stayed home on defense. He got a contest yep. without a foul on KD um, on that potential game tying one. And you're right, Vincent is the most natural, just one where. He can ball pressure for you on defense. He can compete. He's played in big games. Uh, he's he's certainly not scared of taking a shot. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good way to put it. But the other the other element to this, Pete, and the game, like the plus minus is a little tricky for this game because Phoenix goes on a 12-0 run. And did it end up being 14? Maybe, maybe it ended up being mm-hmm. 14 to start the third quarter. And that right there shifted all the plus minus. Because if, if you look in the first half, LeBron plus 23, AD plus 12, Austin plus 18. Vanderbilt was plus five, like reddish plus three. But it's like, oh, so mm-hmm. big game, high leverage. And what happened? They went back to what they knew in big games. And who's that? Austin. Uh, you know, Austin stepping up in all the postseason games. And that group, like which was which was flanked by various other players. And, and that's why you see the plus minus being so stark. But basically, it was those three that were on the court when things were going well. Um, and there was a stint when both LeBron and AD sat, um, I think, briefly. Yeah. When Phoenix pulled some points back. Right. Yeah. And uh, you, you, I know you made a comment in the thread about it, but I, I think that that's the that's the interesting part. Like when and why did it happen in the third quarter? So Phoenix comes out with even more aggression. Like they took their level up. It's like more serious. LeBron starts with a turnover. Uh, Prince smokes the wide open layup. And, and all of a sudden, Allen hits two threes and bang, it's a two point game. And then uh, yeah. Austin goes to the scores table. But like that, that run right there, I thought that Russell, we, this is part of what we saw in the postseason last year, kind of just stayed at his same level. And it's been great, by the way, the last couple of weeks. For him, like he's been making every shot. He's been getting deflections all over the place. But when Phoenix upped it a little bit, you know, I don't know that he upped it as well. And same thing with Prince. And But when Austin came back into the game, he upped it. He matched it. Yep. He yep. sparked it. And same thing with Vanderbilt, right? That's just how he plays. So that was just informative, I think, of and why one of the reasons why I think the in-season tournament is so great. It's like we we get the chance to see. Uh, in a in a just in a this one game or extending back to the group stage to an extent, but definitely ratcheted up in the elimination game. 
who's really going to be able to function in those type of groups. And I just think that we should learn from that. Like that's, that is important to me. That higher intensity basketball against two good teams can be super informative in terms of what you're good at and what you're not. And so let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to continue talking about that stretch to start the third quarter where we struggled uh, with a focus on the offensive end. One thing that Darius rightfully pointed out in the text thread as we were watching that is Phoenix started to dedicate more resources into the paint, right? And so AD especially, and LeBron as well, but in that first half, they were putting so much pressure on the on the paint. And AD had what, like 20 points in the first half, right? And yeah. that, that was the obvious adjustment from Phoenix was that they were – just not going to give up points in the paint anymore. We're willing to give up some stuff on the perimeter, but we're not going to give give this up to you. And this to me, Mike, is my concern about the, the, the durability of AD's offense in that if he is a one-level scorer in that he's going to be taking the vast majority of his shots in the paint – you can take that away in a way where it's like all of a sudden, if Russell's in that state especially, it's like, hmm, aside from LeBron, we don't have much on offense to be able to create in the half court. Now, the defense kind of triggering not just transition but early offense opportunities, Austin really thrives in these. But I'm talking like set five-on-five type of offense versus defense. And so I don't – Forgive me for not having the best uh, swing pass to you on the topic, but this is just something that's been nagging at me, Mike, is that like that is where I think the mid-range yeah. from AD especially is, is super important in that like if they're going to – like most of the time as a coach, you can take one thing away, right? You may be giving up something else to a great degree, but if you really want to take away the paint, you can do that. And I can't think of a num- another top two option in the NBA amongst on a good team that's a one level scorer. And so that stretch right there is kind of game is, and I don't mean to put it on in, entirely on AD, but this is one of the things that I think is going to be one of the swing factors of our season of whether or not we can go all the way is, is him rediscovering that mid range shot. You know, what's ironic about this is that like taking away the paint is basically what AD does to the opponent. Yeah. You know, in yeah. a lot of ways, it's like, oh, so you have to score and teams basically have to score on jump shots, uh, you know, and and so that's kind of the way and try to get up, try to get them up quickly. Like if you watch how Sacramento plays the Lakers yep. and transition and just pull it in any time AD goes to the offensive glass, that's when you go to the rim. So, yeah, it, that part of it is ironic. I think that this is nothing new, though, uh, with this is how teams basically play against the Lakers since LeBron and AD um, have been there. And you're right that like in the 2019 20 title run, uh, he was just shooting more um, from the perimeter and certainly hitting more. And he had found a nice rhythm and especially in the bubble. Uh, that was when his rhythm was just there in, in those mid range shots that he was getting and that he's continuing to get. And then he took mostly in the second half against Phoenix. Those are going in and Pete, he has, it feels like he has not made one. Of those shots in the last Man. month. Now, yeah. maybe there have been we uh, Joey Ramirez hit me the other day and I think he was like five for was like five for 27 or it was something like that. And that's going to be yeah. worse now after yeah. that game against Phoenix. But look at it like I get that he missed the last free throw, but he was seven for eight. He's shooting in the in the high 80 percent, 80 percent of free throws most of the year. It's basically the same type of shot like it has to start going down. I think point. so too, right? I, like, I, it's, yeah. it's, but it's so been so long, just, Mike. I could totally see why a, a less optimistic person would be like, "It's been a minute since he no, shot but, well on these." Like, are we sure it's still there? 
this is the part of the NBA season, though, that that I I just don't worry about at all uh, because mm. the shot, even for the worst shooters, and he is not one of the worst shooters. Like there are some of the shots will start to fall. It's this is like it's part of my whole. What's the difference between thirty three percent and thirty nine percent from three? Like mm. probably seven shots that rim in instead of out. So you know, Joey and I were talking about your theory on this, by the way, yesterday over text. And and because I sent you guys a text, uh, the Lakers are dead last in unguarded jump shots. Like our points per possession on unguarded jumpers is like 0.99. And like the 29th ranked team is not even cl- like we're way, way far. And so yeah. Joey and I, we've convinced ourselves that we've cursed the team somehow collectively and that the way out of it is for for you to admit that that jump shooting matters on some level and we have to have some sort of like ceremony some sort of uh exorcism of the lakers jump shooting woes but we ended up blaming you the long and short jump, of it is that, jump shooting well that's i, I hope that, you guys made yourself we miss feel a jumper better. every time you say oh it doesn't matter the difference between 33 and 37 percent joey and i have surmised that uh that we miss a jumper for every time that uh that you say that so I cringed a little bit when he said that again. That's interesting. Remind me who won the game last <laughs> night. Was it the team that hit more jump shots or the team no, that – it certainly okay. wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The point here – and it's not – I, I over-index on I – I think I've said over-index seven times in this podcast. Yeah, that's I another thing I, that Joey Ramirez is responsible for. I, I blame him for that. A lot of blame. Yeah, I don't. Today. Yeah, I don't. I don't like, like when I'm listening to other podcasts and I hear somebody say the same phrase over and over again, especially because I listen at two times speed. It's annoying. Um, so apologies to those that have heard me say that. I'll, I'll use a different phrasing next time. <laughs> with with AD and the shooting, it's the simple point is that he's going to make more of those. Um, and I get that he has to to some extent, but I I just also think not to get into our jump shooting debate uh, for the nine thousandth time. They, the what makes the Lakers still special is the ability to get to the rim when the jump shots aren't falling, oh, yeah. and that's playoff basketball. That's that's all. Like that's the only point. And uh, a team, I I saw that stat, and it was about the it was about the shooting because you sent in the thread, and I think twenty eighth, I think was Sacramento, right? Yeah, they were twenty eighth or 29th. Yeah, they have and not shot kinda, jumpers well this year. And that's kind of to my point. So they're they're out there with guys that are basically just jump shooters. Like Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes uh, and like Murray. Fox. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Keegan Murray and then Monk when he comes in. Uh, these are guys that shoot like that's their thing. The only guy that doesn't shoot jump shots is Demonte Sabonis and then McGee when he comes in. Uh, and and like, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go up in that stat, you know. So I'm the the mid range jumpers. And, and I think that AD's presence there is significant. But like LeBron's been shooting the ball so much better this oh, yeah. year than last year. And Huge that difference. was the big, yeah. when we talked about in the off season, Pete, we were, the worry was sort of like, well, and I think, you know, credit Darius, especially was like, it, it, he has to make, it's going to shift back some. And I was like, I don't know, you're 21, like the jump shot, the legs. And boy, has he, has he proven anybody that thought that some, the legs weren't going to be there for the jump shot wrong. But like, I could see LeBron going through a spell as he does every year oh, yeah. where the jump shot isn't falling as much. And then, and then that kind of gets back to your, concern okay well teams are just going to pack the paint that's what they're going to do they're going to they're going to let whoever shoot jumpers and so my my question to you then is if if i let's say that i'll allow that the jump shooting is a problem uh and you have to make jump shots um which by the way i'm not doing uh, right now joey okay Mm -hmm. don't text Mm -hmm. me later about this joey Mm -hmm. if if that's happening so then what are you going to do like what's your lineup going to be 
And what's your what's your scheme going to be? And how are you going to still be good on defense and be good at the other things that this Lakers team needs to do? Well, I think we're right on the right track of that, right? I think that that everything you're describing there is why the Lakers floor is really high. And that should totally be the foundation of what we do. All I'm saying, Mike, is we cannot be like league worst bad at this. If we were like the 20th best jump shooting team in the league, which isn't even average, but just like not the worst by a decent amount, I think that that's all I'm asking for, right? And so I think that we're already on the right track. And, that's, and that should be, yeah, that should that just should happen. That should happen. Like they've got should enough it? talent, I think, that they they shouldn't be the in the, the bottom five um, because they're creating the shots that they're creating because of the way that teams are packing in and be, like, like they're going, they're better. The shot quality is better than a lot of teams are getting and they're NBA players. And I think that enough of those shots are going to go in. That's uh, that's what I've seen from this team in the past. Like, I don't think they, they lost the Denver series because of jump shooting. All right. Well, we're about a month away from an exorcism uh, of which your attendance will be required. Uh, we get another month in this, Mike, and yeah, we're going to be going through rituals to to you know get it out of our system. It's amazing, that's, man. That, that's to, not my job. That's not my job. I, I, to <laughs> to go through. It's not your job. It's your fault, though. It's your fault, Mike. <laughs> Joey and I have determined it. Oh, <laughs> uh, how dare you! How dare you guys do this? What you looking forward to about Vegas, man? All of it. Uh, all. Of, in fact, I I need to go pack, uh, and I guess I got to pack for potentially for two games, right? I think that New Orleans is a is a team that I had I texted you the other day in my top six in the West uh, and mm-hmm. they were in it and I Mine don't know too. that they yeah in, in right in 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 you this is this is why it's funny is because you and I like mostly agree about yeah, things yeah we and just then, argue and then, along and then, the entire way there <laughs> and we argue like a fifty one forty nine point uh, just basically yeah. for for like a as some sort of mental exercise and superiority yeah, we'll or from caveman. It, yeah type thing yeah. <laughs> uh but really we pretty much agree uh and and i think that a lot of folks would have them outside of that but you know in, in no particular order like i had you know denver the lakers the suns the wolves the thunder um and then the pelicans and so that leaves out teams like the kings the mavericks the clippers the warriors uh and i think the pelicans can be better than all of those teams uh and like when healthy and they are they have huge players on the wing like good wing now that trey murphy is back along with herb jones uh, along with brandon ingram zion is his own particular conundrum uh both for i think his own team and certainly the opponent in trying to scheme for him and how to defend him and how to keep him out of the paint um and then if they can just like i would bench mccollum and have him as the sixth man but they even in the game against sacramento pete they pushed him off of the ball um some and had ingram doing more of the initiating mm-hmm. and zion and zion so when too, yeah. when mccollum is the guy this is kind of like my bradley beal argument when he's the guy on the other side or yeah. the austin reeves argument and he's getting the ball like he's gonna hurt you in that spot uh and, and it's just a it's an interesting mix of players like they've got more size and dyson daniels they can bring in but they too like phoenix in terms of the lakers matchup i don't think they have the answers for LeBron and AD and getting downhill and getting to the rim because Valenciunas, fantastic rebounder, um, good finisher, nice touch inside, but but not not laterally able, you know, to keep up when the Lakers are getting downhill like that. And this is this will be probably pleasing to you, but like the Lakers are also going to have to hit some shots 
against a team like that because of mm-hmm. all of that length on the wing uh, and and the sort of like who's it going to be in and what spots. But like I, I think they have enough guys to bother, you know, Ingram and, and Zion now that the Lakers have all of their athletes and their size back. Um, and there isn't that perimeter threat in the same way that like Phoenix has it, you know, where you're super worried about somebody out there. Um, Ingram's going to hit. We know we know Ingram, right? We don't need, we need to break right. that down. Um, the, the Laker film Ramadi certainly knows Ingram. So I, I pivoted to the matchup. Like I'm also looking forward to just the to, to seeing the playoff feel that it's going to have with the teams all going there and like summer league, but with all of the big boys and in games that count and, and mm-hmm. towards like the actual potential trophy. And the last point that I'll make, I I just think that guys are still learning. Like Giannis didn't know that there was money involved in this. Uh, guys, guys don't know what the NBA Cup means because it's in its first season, but it's hard to get there. And, and this is what I've learned from being a, a soccer fan for like take the FA Cup, which has been going on for over 100 years. Manchester United has been the best team in England for like many of those years. They've only got 12 FA Cups. Uh, in over a hundred years. Like it's, it's hard to, in a single elimination health, like what your group, get your group stage, get out of the group, mm-hmm. win the single elimination, then win another. Like it's very hard in, in the same way that it's hard to win the NBA title, except that in the NBA, in the NBA playoffs, you get seven games. So the best team is going to win a lot more times. And, and that's kind of my point. You can be the best team and never win a, a tournament like this if, if everything doesn't fall your way. So I just uh, that's the thing that I think the players have embraced. I think the Lakers get it. But I think if you're there and like now you've you've put yourself in, in a spot where it's Vegas, it's you're basically getting home court advantage right mm-hmm. there. There isn't a juggernaut um, that's there as much as I think, you know, Milwaukee with Dame and Giannis is interesting. And so that's that's the last pitch. It's like it's there for the taking uh go ahead and get the first one and like lebron said like if, if there's a battle like let's go ahead let's go ahead and battle. Yeah, let's get it all right was a ton of fun last night we got a game tomorrow we're going to preview tomorrow's game in tomorrow's pod against that uh big athletic pelicans team um talk more about the details there because i think there's a lot of similarities between their team and ours um but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound of Lonnie. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot. The an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, score. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers!
James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.